Welcome to Coaching Leaders, the podcast that is dedicated to helping managers become better coaches. Today's episode is powered by One Minute Feedback. If you face challenges with receiving feedback that is helpful and encouraging, then you will want to try One Minute Feedback. One Minute Feedback's cloud-based feedback survey helps you get supportive feedback from your colleagues and external partners. The feedback you receive using One Minute Feedback is unique in that it helps you understand what you should keep doing and highlight areas of your courage to grow. During COVID pandemic, a lot of companies across all the sectors had to start thinking differently. And hospitality is no different. In fact, hospitality is one of those sectors that has been impacted the most. Some companies are better than others at innovating and adjusting. And Honest Burgers has its own unique way. So what makes Honest Burgers approach so unique and effective? How they engage their team intrinsically? How they boost their morale and boost the retention? That's what I'm about to find out during this conversation with Philip Ells, who is co-founder of Honest Burgers. Philip, I really appreciate you taking the time and having this conversation with me because as we are having this conversation, the UK just entered a lockdown 2.0. So thank you very much for taking your time and having this discussion with me. Yeah, it's good. Happy to be here. All right, Philip. So when I read your story and how you guys start with the Honest Burgers, I love the fact that you were quite vocal about the the fact that you at the beginning with tom you didn't know much about what exactly you were doing which is quite brave honest and vulnerable does it feel like that way right now years later and whilst you're growing um um yeah in different ways yeah it's um the business definitely um obviously it changes the busier you get so you constantly have to learn i think i've always said that the 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 growth of honest has always been quicker than the curve of my learning so to speak we've always had to kind of learn quickly um mm-hmm. learn from our mistakes because we didn't go into it with a huge amount of experience as you said i feel i feel a lot more comfortable now and obviously i get to have uh, lots of really great exciting intelligent people around the business now who are far better at half the things we were trying to do early on so it's not you know back in the day it was kind of all on me and tom and it's not certainly not the case like that anymore so um yeah i have the benefit of a, a large team of directors and um, managers and heads of departments and all that kind of stuff to lean on mm-hmm. support us basically so yeah no it's, it's it still feels quite daunting but it's all kind of fun i have been also part of a starter restaurant as well also with the burgers so kind of can imagine oh, really? your early journey a little bit but i would like to go back to those days with you and i'm fascinated i'm curious to learn what were your like lessons as you were slowly growing especially in terms of managing your people and growing your team because you mentioned today you've got team that really supports you how it was back in the day when it was everything on you things were just spinning around you still had to engage and lead your teams can you share some stories with us yeah uh some stories i mean geez you know i, I was basically the you know, i was the founder of a business in you know, mm-hmm. 2000 and well we, 2010 when we started that really was just me and tom in the tent so those mm-hmm. days probably really aren't worth talking about in that sense but opening the first restaurant in brixton um which is tiny i don't know if you've ever seen it or anyone watching this would have seen it, the restaurant but it's the size of a shoebox basically so we didn't have a huge team and i was effectively the founder and the gm tom was effectively a founder and the head chef i guess mm-hmm. and i've been a gm before so the, the challenges there were as any restaurant manager or anyone who's been a restaurant manager will understand it's just trying to lead a, a small team of waiters and chefs and try and get them to rock up every day and feel happy and feel like they want to give good service and serve good food which you know i don't want to say is 
I've, I've done a lot of that. I've had a lot of experience, pretty honest, and I feel quite comfortable in that role. So, and it's it's kind of easy when it's your thing and, and it's a small team and they're working alongside the founders. I think we, we had a really great team that just felt really kind of part of honest, like part of the growth. So that was mm -hmm. very easy. And I think kind of what you're alluding to in the whole in the whole session, really, that when people really give a shit, am I allowed to swear? Sorry. What time? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Sorry. I need to make it very clear from the get go. You, you be yourself. Okay. 100%. Uh, I'll tug along. Yes. I, go I have to give this caveat every time I go on a live or anything, because I just tend to, it tends to happen naturally. I'm sorry uh, for anyone. No, no. Go ahead. My language, but yeah, I mean, trying to get people to give a shit is the, is the most important thing, right? And, and actually in the early days, that was really, really easy because they were working next to us and obviously all that raw energy and passion was just flowing out of me and Tom every day. You know, we were absolutely rigorous when it came to the standards and, and the, the way we were going to do things. And it made it very easy in the early days. Yeah, as you get bigger, obviously that challenge gets harder and harder because you, you can't be everywhere. You can't replicate yeah. yourself across six, seven, eight, nine restaurants. You have to try and find a way of keeping that, that culture, that feeling of passion and energy alive without being able to see and work alongside the guys every day. Mm -hmm. um, so it definitely becomes a challenge. And that's when companies go down that route of just adding in layers, isn't it? They add in yeah. layers of management. And as I think anyone on watching this or, or in the industry will know, it's just all, all completely 100% about the people that you bring in, isn't it? Yeah, but I think it's also very similar to you know, you're talking about growing and you can't be in every single site every single day. And that's absolutely true. But from my experience, I also see managers who are just working within one business and they managing and they're running the business as if they would have to be there seven days a week to make sure things are happening. And when yeah. you know, when they're on the days off, things are not going as well. One of one of the first advice that I've been given when I moved into management was you're only as good as your days off, basically. Yeah. And so yeah, no, you're, you're, you're spot on. I was going to about to say the same thing. You know, we, we, we say it to our managers now, you know, we, we should really judge your performance on how the restaurant runs when you're not there. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's a classic, I don't want to say mistake the general managers make. I think it's like a rite of passage. I think we all go through it. I think we all have to, you have to learn at some point and we're very open to that honest. You know, we have a history of promoting from within, certainly at general manager level um, and sort of backing uh, more junior, say uh, green kind of GM, so to speak. I think it's one of the things you have to go through where you realize that actually, you know, it's not about, uh, it's another cliche, isn't it? And I, I'll try not to use too many today, but, you know, work smart, not hard is the kind of, is the mm -hmm. saying, isn't it? And I think you realize that it's not about doing seven days a week or loads of hours. It's actually about adding time because, uh, adding value, sorry, because any idiot can be busy, but not everyone can add value. So mm. that's uh, just, just very quickly in today's, today's on your website, I've noticed guys very nice touch when you, circled back to your very first GM within your business. Obviously that's not oh, other Mark, than yeah. you who's moved to, to Sweden. And I thought like, this is really nice time. This is really showing how much you really care and remember people. And they are then becoming your ambassador eventually. So I just want to quickly put it out there. I really love that touch. I was like, wow, this is a, this is incredible. This is nice. Mark's a great it. guy. I tell you, you should, um, you should get him on for a live chat and talk about honest. Cause he, you know, I, I can, I'll, I'm always very open and honest, but he's been on a hell of a journey with us, you know, from, from, the, the, everything you're talking about, you know, how you can get growing it and just taking the knocks and the, and the hits mm -hmm. and being emotionally invested. And yeah, he's a, he's a superb guy. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I would consider Mark a friend, not just a, an ex employee now. So I will, uh, I'll definitely get in touch with him and connect with him. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah, I've got his details. So he'd, he'd be great. Honestly, he's a good laugh as well. He'd have a right laugh on a, on a podcast. What I get guys from you, what you're doing as a brand and for you as a person, that honesty is, is at the core of everything that you're doing, right? Mm. How is that? How does it work? I mean, looking at your results, I'm guessing it's, it's a great thing that you're so honest and you're putting it 
whether it's your interview process or how you're managing and leading teams and running the whole business. But from my experience, what I can see, there's lots of feet around being so honest and transparent because you almost portray, not portraying, but some managers may see it as a, I don't want to portray myself as somebody who doesn't know everything. And I'm, I'm not having, you know, the shit together when, you know, I'm just, I haven't figured out everything else just yet. How does the honesty working out for you guys? And what are the curve, curve lessons around being so honest and transparent within your business? I mean, the clue obviously is in the title and there's, there's, mm. you know, we're, we're pretty it's straight easy up to, guys. It's easy to put something. It's easy to say something. This is our value. And this is who we want to be. And it's a completely different game to live and breathe yeah. it and learn from it. And then when things go wrong, stick to it and, and being persistent with those values and whatever you're trying to achieve, right? Totally. And I, I think there's two levels to that. I think values on a wall are a complete waste of time, not my opinion. I think anyone, you know, and, and, and we've done that, by the way. We have them. We had them, kind of still have them in a way, working through it. And actually, even recently, we've just done a really big piece of purpose work and ended up still using a couple of words in our, uh, with our people director of the day. And we thought it was perfect. And then we read it and we're like, actually, crap, it's still just four words that, you know, just have to be stuck on a wall somewhere. And that's just doesn't work. It's rubbish. Um, mm -hmm. So it's got to be more meaningful than that. But, uh, you know, there's a difference between values on a wall and putting something in the name of your restaurant. So that's, um, yeah. you really have nowhere to hide. Um, from, you know, when you call your restaurant honest, and I guess like, honest doesn't, we didn't use the word because it meant like truth. And I don't mean that to say that we tell lies, but like, it's more about, you know, there's a saying that we had, I mean, my dad used to say, you know, it's, it's honest as the day is long. And it kind of means that you're just sort of hardworking, no faff, no frills, just get on with it. Just be upfront with people, work hard. And that's kind of what honest means, you know, just good quality, keep it simple, get rid of all the gimmicks and the silly fluff and fuff and, mm -hmm marketing-y stuff and just serve some good food with some nice friendly people so that that was the kind of firewall um but yeah it does it does guide our decision making sometimes it stops us and we go oh god can we do that that's not particularly honest that doesn't feel right so it's definitely acted as a firewall over the years um and and has sort of kept us on the straight and narrow but you know the world changes the thing changes and i think you know we look back at some of the things that we thought you know when you look at climate change now and all this kind of stuff and that's definitely an area uh sort of in terms of sustainability and definitely an area that we think we can be better at mm -hmm. so are we 100 percent honest on that right now i'm sure some of your viewers or listeners in could make a very strong case that we're not so you know, I, you know it's about it's never going to end i guess is the point i'm trying to make mm -hmm. we're always, i'm gonna it's always going to be a new way to feel like we're being honest or being um i guess true to ourselves is what is what we're trying to be and yeah you, you alluded mm -hmm. to it like we know we never oh, well, I, I always speak for tom it's not fair when he's not here but um I never pretend to be something I'm not, and I never pretend to have expertise or skill in something I don't. And it's just, you know, we're still learning here. We're just trying to do something good mm -hmm. at the end of the day. And we make some mistakes along the way, for sure. You mentioned that uh, you look at things, is it honest? Is it the best way to communicate? And you also mentioned that the world is changing. When I was listening to you talking with Kate on the, on the panel, you've mentioned that you have a your approach now is that you know what some of those some of your employees won't be there for years they will be for the short stint mm. and, and you've embraced it and, and you're making it public and and open and transparent about it which i absolutely love because if you look at the our industry and and who we are employing and, and the reality you you should as a gym as a leader understand and embrace the fact that not everyone will be there for years not for the, you know they won't be there for that golden watch but they will be there for a short period of the time. And I always say, you know what, I'd rather have six months of excellence than three years of med mediocrity from someone just because the retention sort of uh, time span, the average retention needs to be bumped up because it's too low. 
and, and I loved it because it's about the quality people putting in within the first few months. So I would like to spend a little bit of time around that topic and just mm-hmm. let, let us know how did you guys arrive to this conclusion and what does it bring to your business? What are the outcomes from it and how are you managing it? What's the, uh, what's the story around it? Well, first, first, I mean, this is, you know, we haven't, I wouldn't say we've managed it yet, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when I spoke to you, you know, this is something that's really uh, come out of lots of conversations that we had in the first lockdown. And mm-hmm. just to sort of caveat this, and I'm happy to go into all the detail, obviously, and, and, and sort of venture my opinion, but I don't necessarily have a lot of stats or empirical evidence to back up that it 100% works, but I certainly okay. believe it will. And also just in case any of our managers are watching going, what you're talking about, you're talking a load of shit, man. That doesn't exist yet in our business, but um, <laughs> they know that it, they know that I wanted to. Yeah. So just that, that's, that's my first caveat. Yeah. Yeah. The first lockdown, we, we, we realized we had some time to actually um, sort of move away from a bit of day to day when we completely closed the restaurants. And actually we said, well, what are some of the things we've always wanted to do? What are some of the things we want to believe in? And that have been really hard to retrofit while you're open and we started taking those opportunities. So it's all very fresh is the point I'm trying to make mm-hmm. uh, in a very okay. long-winded way. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. Like, I think our industry has a bit of an ego and I think it's being popped a little bit at the moment. I think Brexit came along and popped it a little bit and obviously Corona has certainly done it. And, I, and you know, it, and I'm going to say in, in, in the context of that being a good thing for the next sort of 10, 15 minutes, obviously there's been loads of negatives around those two massive changes to the world, but I think, you know, our e- the ego of this industry has been popped, perhaps needed to be popped a little bit, and that we have to stop pretending like it's the best industry in the world to be in. It's not. Like, we expect long hours. It's traditionally deemed unskilled and low-paid, and mental health is one of the worst across any industries. You know, we don't have a good record, a good sheet, really. And yet, people would love to tell you all the time, you know, that this is an amazing industry, and everyone loves being in it. And I think it's time we call bullshit on that, really. Um, it can be. It can yep. be like I got sucked into it. I don't know how you got into it, but Very I similar. got sucked into it for all the all the right reasons. I think, which is I just love being around people. And I love serving customers. And I love making customers happy, and I enjoyed how different it was every day. Right, those are the good things. But so you know, and I think one of the things that our industry does historically badly is just tries to treat everybody the same. Um, here's the career path. Here's the career journey. Here's the training manual, and it's the same training manual for every single person. Even though we know for a fact that every single person is different, everyone has to learn kind of in the same way. And we kind of want to keep shoving people through this career path. Um, and I'll speak personally, you know, sometimes the really great people come along and you know, it's not really the industry they want. It's a stopgap. Mm-hmm. And you try and get your claws into them and you try and keep hold of them and you try and convince them or persuade them. No, you don't want to be a lawyer. No, you don't want to be a, a, a doctor. You want to be a restaurant manager because you're great. Yeah. So we try and shove them down these paths um, that they don't really want to go. And I kind of, that kind of hit, hit me recently, really. And I thought, you know, we've just got to stop. And, and, you know, and our, our people director, Chantel, has been really good at, and, and our officer, well, Brian, actually, have been really good at kind of showing me this kind of stuff, really. And it just right, it made me realise, actually, we have to start embracing the people that don't want to be here forever. We have to stop sh- shoving them through career paths they don't want. And mm-hmm. we have to try and create an environment where anybody can move through the business um, at the speed and the pace and, and for as long as they want or as little time as they want. And as you rightly said, if you can get someone for three months, but they're brilliant, then what's wrong with that? What's wrong mm-hmm. with that? You know what I mean? So that's something that we're really quite passionate about trying to do. And I think the first manifestation of that in our business has been this thing called craft exchange, which is saying that, you know, if you have a skill outside of serving burgers or cooking burgers, like gardening, or, you know, you're a courier or you're a sign writer, or you can put up shelves or whatever. These are all historically things that our industry likes to pay someone else to do. Well, why can't we... Why can't our own guys get paid for some of the skills they have and or further their own skills? And then above and beyond that, how can we create programs that help people in other in, help people 
get careers in other industries because of Honest. That's wow. really exciting. This is interesting because the, the program that Craft Exchange something, is something that I wanted to have a conversation around as well. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't aware, which is now even more exciting, that you're not only tapping into those intrinsic, sort of into those talents of within the pool, within your business, but what you're saying also, that you get sort of paid for actually doing so. That's why, I mean, yeah. that's not I mean, asking people to work for free, but uh, it's like you really think through it. So, because for me in the past, it was always about understanding what's the pathway that people are taking, why they are here and where they are heading. And if you've got a certain talents and passions that you really like to do, how can I use it within my business so we both are winning? So you can do what you love and we are also winning. So an example that would be an employee who really wanted to go into video editing and creating some videos. So how can we use that talent to promote ourselves in social media? We've had an employee who was studying art and she was you know, painting stuffs. So rather than hiring somebody to put the vinyls on our window with marketing, we got her to paint. She's been giving this, you know, this is what we want. That's your, your piece of wall to write on and do so. Express yourself. What we want is just that there's a burger on the, on the, uh, on the window. How you do it, it to you. You've literally just described Benji um, and Eva in our businesses. So Benji does um, is a aspiring training film producer, director, and he does a lot of our video content now. Mm. Um, lots of internal stuff and some external stuff as well. And Eva is brilliant sort of designer and illustrator, and she's been doing loads and loads of mugs and a few others as well. Um, been going around the restaurants and doing all the sign writing and, and various bits that normally we'd pay someone to come in and do. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, it's great. I mean, these and they, those two, uh, they're, yeah, they're, they're fantastic. They're both waiters. Um, they're fantastic waiters as well, and and they, you know, it's the best of both worlds. Yeah. I'm sure they feel great that they can do more than just serve burgers and, and make money through Honest. Mm -hmm. um, and like you said, I think, you know, a, a kind of a, a buzz line that we've started using in the business is, you know, we want to use our platform, our, our increased platform. One of the things about getting bigger, and I have huge insecurities about getting bigger as a company, by the way, which I just need to, I'm, I'm working my way through to try and get over those because I want Honest to go big. I still like to think of us as these two young lads in a tent or in a little shack in Brixton Market. But, um <laughs> The, the the benefits of getting bigger of course is that if you're doing good stuff more people get to have good stuff so the bigger you get the more of a reach you have externally and internally mm -hmm. uh, within the business um and if we can use that pla as a platform for some of our guys to further their own careers you know for either create a portfolio of work or for benji to create a portfolio of work that he can take yeah. through to an interview or a course or whatever then that makes me feel great and mm -hmm. As good as he is and she is, if they turn around to me in three months' time and go, because of the stuff that they got to do within Honest, they're now leaving, then I'll do that with a big smile on my face as well. And be sad the next day that we don't have their expertise on the restaurant floor, but at the end of the day, drop your ego and accept that it was the right thing to do. Absolutely. And there is a little bit there is a little bit more to it, actually. So if you look at it from the perspective of being a manager, whether you're the GM or head chef or just management in the business, and you have the waiter who produces this video content for you or the writing, essentially, that's your coaching opportunity as well. So you may give that person a project to work on, but the feedback that you give in the coaching and the guidance is very much around the behaviors, the skill sets that that person also has to use within the business, within the role as well as if you really start connecting those dots when you're planning, communicating with people around you, whether it's presenting in front of everyone else, depending what you are outsourcing, what other tasks are, if you are really looking at from the perspective, not just engaging you intrinsically and getting to do their job, managers can also ensure, I absolutely advise to do so, to look at it, how can I help 
get that person through the process and how can I provide a feedback so the person grows and start linking the skills, like I said, and behaviors that he or she can also utilize within our role and our business right now. So there is like definitely double winning here and that's Absolutely. actually helping that person become oh. the best version of themselves. I think there's real transferable skills between what we do. And I think having been reasonably negative about our industry at the start, I'll now be incredibly positive and go that everyone thinks what we do is easy, right? Everyone thinks they could wait a table or cook some food in, in a restaurant, um, particularly probably one of ours. Um, you know, we're not Michelin star, star fine dining restaurants. And if you're a robot, yeah, it'd be easy. You know, service is easy, but we talk about hospitality quite a lot in Honest, and that's not that's not easy. Being able to reach your mm-hmm. customers and understand what they really want and understand everyone's different service and, and actually be a human being. That's that's how we talk about it in Honest. Yeah. Human, human's human. You treat a customer as a human being first and a customer second, and, and we expect our staff to do the same thing. And that's not easy to do. It's really, really hard to do. And it's easy to make mis- some mistakes. But, um, man, I've gone off a tangent. Where was I going with this? Um, yeah, what I was going to say was, yeah, look, it, it's... I think there's a lot of skills within the restaurant industry outside of actually taking orders and serving food mm-hmm. that are transferable for any industry. You know, if you're good with people, then you'll be good with people in an office in the city. You'll be good with people in a law firm. You'll be good with people yeah. in a hospital. You know, um, if you understand how human beings think and behave and you can read body language and customer signals and, and these kind of things, those are skills that you can transfer. So it really winds me up when people say what we do is easy because I actually only think 5% of people in the whole world can do it well. It is. Yeah, it's really uh, well. the amount of pressure that we all experiencing on the floor. It's, it's tremendous. And I always phrase it that way, that when you, you really want to help your employees and team grow, and like you've mentioned, you know, those are transferable skills. Managers have to flip the story in their head and approach from I'm teaching how to be a door host and flip it and say, I'll teach you resilience. The door host happens to be a good tool for it. That long queue of mm-hmm. guests who are expecting to be sit right now and get what they want is actually to me, it's a good tool and opportunity to teach you a little bit of resilience, a little bit of listening skills and phrasing that way. So rather than, hey, I'll teach you how to be a door host, which is like, I don't want to be a door host for life. I'm just here for the weekends. Well, why would I pay attention to you? Flip the script and say, hey, you know what? This is what it takes to be a door host and those skills you need it for life. And we're going to do it that way. And so if you flip it on, on that like that, all of a sudden it becomes completely different, different value that your employees will have from you. Because like you rightly said, not everyone wants to stay with this, with this industry. Fair enough. But everyone has to build resilience, empathy, listening skills, presentation skills, you know, talking in front of two people. We have employee, sorry, we have team meetings, team meetings before the shifts, or at least every business should have one. That's a great opportunity to teach someone how to communicate one too many, which is something that we all shy away as a starting point. But oh, almost, yeah. almost everyone will need it somewhere in the future. So in all honesty, hospitality offers a lot but like you said, we shouldn't claim it. We should show them and help them get it. And you've mentioned. I, I totally agree. I think it's a really, I think it's a really good way of putting it, actually. I think it's a really articulate way of saying it um, and, and sort of bringing up those skills. And I dare say any restaurant manager or restaurant owner would have a lot more success if they, if they pitch some of those roles like that. You know, I got it in my head that, you know, what if this industry, you know, you have like people who do degrees and then you have like a year in industry, you know, you might be studying to be an architect, but for a year you can have the choice to go out into industry, right? Mm-hmm. That doesn't necessarily have to be in an architect's office. It can be all sorts of things like lawyers, even there's other things you can do. And I thought, wouldn't it be great if I could get like a university on board that would like treat uh, a year honest as a valuable, worthwhile, meaningful year at work for a lawyer or for an, another industry. And mm-hmm. typically I went straight in for like, Cambridge. I tried to get hold of Cambridge University because I'm just quite ambitious that way. 
Um, and I hit, hit with a brick wall, actually. So if anyone from Cambridge University is watching this, then please get in touch or any university for that matter. But I'd love to know just is that am I just talking madness here? Is there a scenario where somebody who wants to be in a completely different industry, certainly one of the ones that we deem as a society to be sort of high level yeah. at the top there? How do we get hold of these? How do we get hold of these people and give them a year in our business and that feel like a worthwhile and and creditable from an employer's point of view as well? Um, yeah. Thing, I think but, I think the narrative should be is we need to show people what's in it for them, why they would spend working long hours under high pressure. And so f- the way I would approach it is I would really sell it and make sure my managers can coach those life skills. Right. Yeah. So some people call them soft skills, it's life skills, it's it's necessary skills in our life. So whether it is, you know, like I said, presenting one too many, whether it's handling the pressure, whether it's building that resilience, whether there's so many different skill sets. And basically, what I love hospitality for, and what helped me as an individual and today as a feedback coach, is that hospitality forced me to learn and coach people on the go within a short period of the time. Mm-hmm. Because there is not, we don't have much time to sit down and just no. do several hours of sessions with a, which there is, just isn't. So it forced me to figure out my own ways of how to really coach people as human beings, help them become a better person and employee, employee at the same time in a quick sort of short time period. So that's that's what's for me. And depending on what my path is, I've already learned it. Now, so if your degree is something that you will need a lot of working under pressure and sort of, I don't know, handling a lot of people that may just be rude to you towards, for instance, that would be one way of saying, hey, here's the, here's the environment you can almost practice. It's a, it's a practice ground for you. And I'll help you and I'll develop you the skills needed to handle that circumstances and develop certain skill sets, depending on which university you're going for and what people. But then, like I said, skills are very broad. You can you can tap into resilience. You can tap into empathy. You can tap into listening skills, right? So maybe not necessarily a customer, customer service. Well, I don't see myself in customer service for life. However, being a good listener means I'll be a better parent if I'm honest with you, right? That's basically what it is. Handling pressure better helps me through the pandemic right now. What I've learned, and it's and it might sound crazy to some of you guys out there, probably not for you, is I've been through so much pressure at work in hospitality, and through that support and practicing it over and over again, I feel a lot more comfortable today during that pandemic because I've developed certain skill sets within hospitality, whether I was a chef, head chef, GM, waiter, all those places gave me something that helps me today becoming a better parent, a better father, I'm sorry, I'm myself, a person as a human, as a human being. So I think that's the way I would explore and start communicating. And this is industry of developing lifetime skills because, hey, in reality, we are hiring and coaching and instilling leadership in future leaders of this world. Whether some people will become, like you mentioned, lawyers, they'll become politicians, they'll become CEOs, founders, they will do something in the future that will have impact on our planet. And yeah. if you're working 17, 18 years old people right now, 20 years old people right now, those are the first experiences of one of the first experiences that's shaping their perception of the leadership. And you've asked, how did, did I get into hospitality? So I'll tell you, I needed extra money to bring my family to the UK. So I was working five days in a warehouse, two days in, in Hadro Cafe. Why I stayed? Because for the first time in my life, I felt like I belong. I've experienced leadership. I was taken care of and about. And so that's how I stay within this industry. And that industry showed me 
how to taking care of people, which I'm just only replicating as a person moving forward. So I think that's what hospitality gives a lot. We just need to phrase it differently and making sure our managers can actually talk a lot more about those skill sets because, well, now I'm just talking too much. It's all about you, but you just, you no, just uh, press my red button. <laughs> no, no, it's good. It's good. No, I was gonna say, it's, it's really, it's really prevalent in our industry and I, I haven't worked in any others really. So um, I don't want to upset anyone from another industry that says it really exists in theirs, but you know, I, I was on, I was, I did a shift the other day in our Waterloo restaurant, small team in there. Um, we're trying something a bit different in there at the moment. And um, so I did, a, I wanted to do a few shifts in there and I was in there for four days and uh, there was one shift at the end, and, and one of the uh, one of the team in there um, was asked through the NHS app to self isolate. Someone at her uni might have had it, blah blah. blah. Mm-hmm. And she was really upset. She had to go home, and in a small team, that was you know it was it was very inconvenient that I was coming. Let's put it that way, because um, they needed me in the end. And there was a shift, and Sophia, who I was working with, had done had to do some extra long hours to make up for it over those couple of days while they were thinking of a solution. It got to one of the end of the shifts, and I could see she was a bit like, well, you know. And I was like, Do you, what time are you finishing? Because you're in tomorrow and you're doing a double tomorrow. And she was like, I was going to finish at nine and it was 10 o'clock at night, right? And I was like, well, what are you doing here? She was like, well, I don't want to leave you on your own. Like, can I leave you? And, I, you know, there's a bit of a employee founder kind of nervousness yeah. there, I guess. And I said, yeah, of course. I said, just let me know. Just leave me a little list. Make sure I don't miss anything. And I said, why didn't you go? Like, why didn't you go at nine? And she just, you know, she said to me, she was like, no, that's not what we do here. Like, that's not what we do here. Like, we don't behave like that here. Like, and I was like, wow, like, that's, that's cool. Like, hmm. Yeah, and, and getting to know that team, you know, all the guys in that restaurant, they, there was a real nice vibe instantly, you know, and you instantly feel it. And it was just, it was such a nice thing to hear, such a simple thing. But no, we don't do that here, Phil. We don't just, you know, we don't just leave ourselves. We don't leave people in the shit here when when it when it goes down. You know, it was out of their control, really, obviously. The pandemic is. But that, that really does exist in our industry, and that's the best of it coming out. And I think if we can just show people that that is what you learn, like that family feel, as you describe, when it gets done well, and it, we, we all know it comes from... The restaurant manager in particular you know good restaurants you know it's always in the four walls really you know when you get it right you, you really do get sucked into a family feel that's definitely what sucked me in back in the day in brighton when i was working in a restaurant down there where i met tom mm-hmm. you know we got we got sucked in because of that and it's great for that i guess that the, the mindset we've got to shift really is that we've got to make the rest of the world and other industries see it as well and see the value of it not look down on it uh, and see that if someone's done a year in a restaurant or has been a manager in particular then you know I think that's going to make them pretty strong in a lot of other places. Absolutely. From from resilience to time management, energy management, which is, I think, more important than time management itself. Really understanding. How sad, how sad is it, by the way, just sort of a small comment and a bit of a tangent. How sad is it, by the way, that we have to talk about people being rude to our to our people? You know, and I know, you know, if you're a doctor or a nurse or a police officer or an ambulance driver, you, you know, what is this shit? Do you know what I mean? Why do people think it's okay to be rude to people no clue. That are you would, providing you would... a service to them. I mean, if if someone can figure out how we change that, and it's it's so sad because I run a course in our company. It's, so we, we have this thing called old hospitality, and it's very specific to me. It's about kind of my beliefs and how service should be done. So I run a, a course, a day course for any would be managers that want to run shifts in our business. And we always start with you know what do you want to get out today, and you know you do the classic stuff right on the wall. And one of the first things I always say is how do we what do we do if someone's rude to us. What do we do if someone gets drunk? You know, what are we allowed yeah. to do, Phil, if someone gets drunk and is inappropriate to one of our staff? And I'm like, it's just so, because I can't do anything about it, really, other than say, kick the fucker out. Do you know what I mean? Like, you yeah. have my permission, they don't have to pay, you just kick them out the door, right? And that's our responsibility to make that sure that's clear and to obviously provide a safe environment for them. But I can't stop people coming in the door being rude, and they will, and they are, and it's just totally exactly. unacceptable. But there's anyway, been like... there's nothing, we can go in that rabbit hole, there's nothing me or you can do about it on this call, but there we go. No, there's not much we can do with those people, although we can work on how we are perceiving and how we are managing from 
from a perspective like you said you know what keep the fuck it out that's one thing but i think there's also responsibility and that's for for lots of managers right now the message guys which is something i hear over and over again when you hear when you see your employee your waitress even the manager is fuming because one of the guests is really rude and complains he thinks just because i pay the bill i can say whatever the fuck i want because i'm paying your wages Mm. and then i see employees being really upset and the conversation is well we have to be we have to suck it up we have to be professional we shouldn't, no, 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 we are human beings. We can't have a conversation of being professional in that situation. We have to have a conversation about how it upsets you and how can you, what can you do to build a little bit more resilience towards Because like you said, you can't stop them from coming in, but they're not exclusively for hospitality. You know, there is a, I was driving my car a few days ago and there's a radio advert about let's stop being rude. It's a small percentage of people being rude nice. one to another in, in yeah. any service industry. Let's just stop doing so. And I'm like, Really, you mentioned it's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Now we're even at the point where we have to have radio adverts about, hey, by the way, could you please be a decent human being? Yeah, don't be a dickhead. Yeah, what's that about? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. But from from my perspective, at least we can help each other and figure out the way, what are the best way of managing it? Because you, if you look at your restaurant team, there's always that one manager, one one waiter who knows how to deal with that person or with that that type of guest, right? What's his secret? What's his or her ways of managing it and then share it away and help others as well? You know, the other day I watched one of the assistant managers just storm to the kitchen fuming. And because I knew him very well and I knew where I, you know, I can go a little bit more direct with him than empathetic. And he was like, ah, this, 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 this. I was like, dude, do you understand? Do you do you realize that you are actually empowering him? You're allowing him to control your emotional state. And he was like, what? So that's what happens. Yeah. You just allowed him. And that was a good start of conversation. Then we talked through sort of trigger points, etc. And rather than saying, dude, just get over him. He'll be gone and, and that's it. That doesn't solve any problem because tomorrow will be again or the next day. And your well-being is really important to me. And so if you didn't start really working your team that way, and then you have them going into the world, whatever they do, they know how to handle rude people or how to handle their emotional state when they are a little bit more upset. And you know what? I'm not EQ coach by any, by any means. However, I've got my own ways that I figured out over the years and that are allowing me to deal in certain circumstances. All I'm doing is sharing my experience. This is what works for me. When I hear this, that's a story in my head. And by the way, guys, if that's something you want to learn, I've got another podcast sort of throwing it in nice. called Mindset Conversations. And it's all about how we are self-communicating with ourselves to deal with certain circumstances. So just to quickly spoil it alert or add in the middle of it. But no, it's about really presenting our hospitality industry as an, as a, as an industry where you can really work on your lifetime skills that you can then replicate whatever you go. Because we bring in everything into the mix. We bring in that camaraderie, that family feeling, the pressure, the business side. Now, our reality is is tough, you know, from, from rates and labor, et cetera, et cetera. You have everything in one go. So in one year, it's like a crash course, life crash course almost. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It really is. Yeah. It's, a, it's an incredible industry when it's, um, yeah, when the environment is right, I think it's, a, it's an incredible place to be and learn. Um, you know, sometimes you have to learn the hard way and should that always be the case, you know, should you have to learn how to deal with rude people? Arguably not, but it's definitely something that everyone's going to encounter in their lives at some point. So yeah, you know, exactly. well. it's, um, yeah, it's really interesting though. It's really interesting. So just a quickly, what's the, what's the journey like for you and Honest Burger? As you mentioned, you mentioned that you have to get your head around growing and expanding because you still think you're living in a, you're selling, yeah. selling burgers in a tent over there. What's the, uh, what's the journey ahead of Honest Burgers? 
I don't, I mean, I don't know the truth. Generally, I don't know exactly. I mean, you know, we have, we have investors and, you know, they're not big, bad, scary investors or anything. They're really actually very, um, very, very um, supportive, basically, of us sort of trying to keep this kind of, I want to say indie feel. Like, I know we're not independent and I know we're a chain, but, um, you know, you don't have to act like one is kind of the, the, the phrase that we kind of use. You know, mm-hmm. We are a chain, but it doesn't mean you have to act like one. And um, the future, I mean, look, we, we definitely want to take Honest Burgers around for in uh, in other places around the country. I think pre-corona, with COVID, we were going to, um, you know, try and hit a few more cities outside of London. There's a few more spots in London we could do. I think yeah. we are, and, and, you know, this is obviously my opinion, and I hope anyone listening to this would, this might resonate if you've eaten in our restaurants, but... I don't think it's necessarily burger and chips that will ultimately define us. I think Honest has a set of way of doing, and we kind of call that internally now, we're sort of calling those sort of honest experiences, which is about having a really kind of craft quality product at the core of what we do, and then having this human interaction. And, and we like to work with the community as well, you know, trying to engage with um, other local businesses and collaborate. That's a big part of Honest. So we feel like the combination of those kind of three things really will produce something we call like an honest experience, which as I said to you right at the start is, just do things for the sake of doing them rather than making money, you know, do it because it feels like the right thing to do and yeah. be proud of what you're doing and be honest to your customers. Talk to your customers like human beings. Like and one of our managers, Jazz in Bristol said to me a long time ago, when I asked her what she thought old hospitality was, she said, I think it sounds like just being on the same side as a customer. You know, when you look at a situation, you think, well, what would I want? Yeah. And not enough people do that. Not enough restaurants do that. Not enough businesses do that. When I pitch honest like that in my head, when I say it like that in my head about what honest does and what we believe in, then I think, wow, how many other industries need a bit of that treatment? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We felt like burgers, for example, you know, something hugely loved across the industry, uh, across the country by people, you know, very, very popular. But really, everyone was paying for, you know, and, and everyone, like, people like talking about McDonald's, by the way, they always think, oh, McDonald's, Phil. You know, I'm like, I've got no problem with McDonald's. Like, McDonald's are an amazing company, by the way. They do some incredible stuff and they don't get any, mm-hmm. credit, they don't get any credit for it. But they're not trying to be anything they're not. They're very authentic. They're not trying to say that it's uh, amazing quality food. They're giving you a cheese, double cheeseburger for 99p. So, you know, it is what it is. And they do what they do very well. So it was not McDonald's we were trying to bring down. It was, if anything, it was the pub burger, I think. It was that burger that you get that people want to charge you 15 quid for because it's got a fancy bun. But really, it's still frozen over minced meat that they can put a... A pin in they wouldn't know where it's come from or what the cuts are or you know there's no no thought to how it's been minced or the fat content or the flavor profile or anything like that and still charging you 15 quid for that you know we just felt like actually this just feels really wrong you know and then of course you get your burger and you realize that you still need chips on top of that and there's the extra cost so it just felt like there was a bit of honesty needed in this world when it came to burgers um and we're not the only ones by the way that did this i know there's been some you know some incredible restaurants that started at similar times to us that kind of we're on that wave that we were certainly on when burgers kind of went big in London, you know, the, the meat liquors of this world and um, uh, Bleaker, for example, now, like mm. Cheer, Burger and Beyond, these guys, they're all just doing really good quality food, uh, really good quality burgers. So that, but that felt like a product, a, a food type in particular that needed kind of honest treatment. So what else is there? So, uh, and again, long-winded answer, apologies, but, you know, I, I like to think that we could one day do something outside of burger and chips. I like to think that one day we could do something outside of F&B. And if any of my co-workers are listening to this, they're going to laugh their heads off because I'm always banging on about honest trains because I just think some of the way, some of the ways that train companies operate is just really dishonest mm-hmm. um, and dishonest in a kind of, they're just, you just know they're trying to get as much money out of you at all times as possible. And I just, bit in me just goes, I wonder if there's a way, you know, like I won't name the name of the company, but I was trying to get a train the other day 
a while back from Manchester and I booked on for one train and I thought I'll get there a bit earlier. I'll finish my meeting early, I'll try and get there. And they wouldn't let me get on the train early. It was like train was half really? empty. It's the yeah. same seat, it's the same price. No, sir, you can't. It's like, and it's just like you just think, oh, come on, really? Is that is that really acceptable behaviour? Is that being on the same side as a customer? It's because nobody's uh, challenging them. Um, there is, there is, well, um, maybe, maybe honest trains will challenge them one day. Let's see. But you know, on peak off peak tickets, is that really a thing? I get we have to kind of check commuters and make sure they get a seat. They're, you know, there's that goal now where commuters need to be priority. But why? Why is a seat at nine o'clock twice as much as a seat at? 11 o'clock it's the same seat it's the same journey is there a way is there a business model and you know probably that maybe there isn't there probably isn't when it comes to trains i don't know anything about trains but you know i dare say people have told us not to give chips away for free at the in in, in the outset right which we basically did um because everyone has chips with a burger right um yeah. and i think it was the best business decision we ever made certainly wasn't the best financial decision we ever made but it was the best business decision we ever made because i think you know, we're as well known for the chips as we are the burger. So future, yeah, I, I'd like to think that we can do more, take Honest to more places and maybe different formats and then international. I'd love to have a crack at America. Everyone tells me America is really tough for English brands, so that just spurs me on. Um, nice. I'd love to have a bash at that. Obviously Europe, when we're allowed. We're actually scoping, I'm scoping something at the moment. One of the guys in our brand growth team had an amazing idea about trying to convince cool burger restaurants in European cities to trade with us for a week. So we'll take their restaurant for a week in Paris and they can have our restaurant for a week in London. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? And then I was like, after, yeah. that, after that, you know, we'll do Paris, Amsterdam, Berlin. Let's just find cool burger places that think like us and want to just switch for a week and they can have all the sales in our restaurant for a week and we'll have all the work there and we can just see what happens, you know, so awesome. let's see. I want to have some fun with it. And we'll I would love to see you guys in Nottingham. Yeah, I was in Nottingham just pre, uh, well, about a month ago. I was up, I was up in Nottingham with our pop director looking at potential sites. So, wow, watch this space. Definitely watch this space one day. There is yeah, one thing on. that just popped in my mind to share before you wrapped up. When you spoke about honest experience and you asked how do we promote our industry and stuff yeah. like that, I think it's it's safe to say that it's actually get a life experience within four walls within our industry. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. you go through everything almost. So you talk about honest experience. In reality, in reality, if you come in for a year with us, you've got a year of live experience pretty much. Because you've got all sorts of things going around. So I'm guessing maybe that's a tagline or something on it. I'm not marketing, but that's what it just got into my head when you talk about okay. the honest experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not just about the burgers. Yeah, I'm not, I'm just, I think honest experience is about, yeah, it, it's about just being upfront with people basically and trying to leave your mark on the world, I guess. And that's, there's a, there's my ego coming out but um you know i want to have a i want to leave a leave a mark on the world that isn't just a, a great a nice burger and chips so before i part away there's only one question that i ask every single guest and that is who is the best coach like leader manager that you work with somebody who's really more of a mentor than manager to you have you worked for the person like that in your career yeah i can i mean i've got a couple in the business so i could i could talk about uh, two or three in our business that, that, that sort of do that for me right now and, and you know but i think the one that really stands out in terms of sort of over the last 10 years is um and i'm sure anyone in the industry knows would have heard of him is um harold samuelson and he was um he's the he was the md joint md of coat for a while um when i first met him he was doing that role one of our my other co-founder dorian is very good friends with him they work together in strada in ops and their management and stuff like that and dorian was you know put me in touch with harold in the early days and he was just um first and foremost he was always just very generous with his time you know he'd always just sit with me and if i needed lunch he'd 
I'd call him up and go, man, this is crazy. I don't know what I'm doing. And he'd always just have a lunch with me and just hear me out. And I didn't really know what coaching was back in the day, by the way. This is you know going right back to sort of 2012. I didn't really understand what coaching was. I just remember being infuriated in the first few meetings because whenever I asked him a question, he just asked me one back. And I was like, <laughs> like, like, you know what you're doing and I don't. Just tell me what I'm doing wrong, right? And uh, <laughs> And it, yeah, and in a good, like I knew I'd always come away with it knowing, wow, that was actually really great and not knowing why and not understanding what coaching was. So obviously, as I've got more experience and, and our relationship has got a lot, I realized exactly what he was doing, which was genius. And he still does that to me, by the way. I called him two days ago and he just said, what's he? He was on the train and I said, yeah, I've got a bit of a funny one. I don't really have to articulate it. This, this, this. And he said, he paused for a second. He just went, so what did you want to get out of this call? And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, okay. And then I sort of said to him, why did I get the call? And then I was like, okay, you're right. I don't need you now. You, you made me articulate the thing that I wanted. Thank you very much. And that was it. Put the phone down. Cool, man. Speak to you in a week. <laughs> that was it. So, um, yeah, Harold for me is just one of the most phenomenal uh, industry guy. Well, just phenomenal people I know. He's just a brilliant person and hugely experienced, always willing with his time, always very helpful for me. And what I like about Harold most is that he's he can – relate to all, all levels of the business. And I'm sure anyone who's worked with him in Coat will um, will say this, and certainly the guys in Honest, that you know you can take him on a night out with a waiter or an exec board meeting, and he's just the same guy. Um, and that's something I really aspire to being. So Harold Samuelson, for me, the main man. Nice one. Ask ask the right question, that's it, and let you do <laughs> yeah. the work, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Awesome. Hey, it's been a great pleasure to, to chat with you today. I have learned a few things as well, which is always a bonus. I really enjoyed this conversation. I'm excited to see your guys' journey coming to Nottingham and expanding globally. And perhaps one day I'll just take the train, the honest train down to London. And I won't be paying for <laughs> Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. one day, one day. Absolutely. Thank you very much All for right. today. Cheers, Raph. Take care. Bye-bye. Take it easy. Bye-bye.